And what up, guys? Welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are talking about nothing but week 17 of the NFL season, talking about who showed up and who showed out here. We'll be talking about the playoff pitcher. Really exciting time of the year if you're an NFL fan. Definitely want to go ahead and thank the fans out there who have actually chimed in on a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to the show. Want to go ahead and thank our platform, Anchor, which is now Spotify Podcasts, which is where you can find the actual podcast. You can also catch us on YouTube as well under Real Talk Sports with Rico. And just to let you guys know, generally we do upload a show pretty much every Sunday. Uh, you are starting to see a lot more shorts and materials like that on the channel as well. We'll actually be talking about some of the hot things that are going on either in the NFL, NBA. Um, also, too, you might be catching us talking a little UFC as well. So, Without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and let's jump into the content, into this exciting week 17 going into week 18 of the NFL season. And let me tell you, man, um, man, so much can change in one week in the NFL. And today's graphics, guys, I'm actually going to bring the page up where you're going to see uh, pretty much uh, what you would see if you were to actually search games. You're going to see the actual schedules and stuff like that. So I'm actually going to show you something that you guys can actually see, but I'm just going to be talking about it here. So to bring that up for you. And let's start off here with um, this first game here, the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. You know, I thought that for one, Cleveland might be pretty much in trouble when they lost to Sean Watson. And that really hasn't been the case. Um, you know, I knew that they had something with Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie there, uh, but he's was really ineffective. He had had a game where he was pretty good, got into the concussion protocol. And you were wondering about Cleveland and you're wondering, OK, would they really be a team that would be this good, especially since they don't have Nick Chubbs. They didn't have anybody throwing the ball to Amari Cooper. They went out there and they found their quarterback in Joe Flacco. And I think, isn't it going to be interesting that the one team that I think could actually knock off the top seed Baltimore Ravens would be the Cleveland Browns just because of the physicality in which the Cleveland Browns play with. And I just think that this has been quite, the perfect storm for Cleveland in, in a lot of different ways. I think that, you know, looking at Joe Flacco, he almost looks like he's uh, 10 years younger the way he's been throwing the football. You would not think that this is a guy that has literally been on his couch here for the last season or so or however long he's been out of the league, uh, but he's playing phenomenal. And the one thing that I really took away from this particular game, Cleveland versus New York, is that, Cleveland needed this game to secure a playoff spot. Not only did they get it done, but they put up 37 points. And what is more impressive about this is that they didn't even have Amari Cooper, who was the AFC player of the week. If you were playing him in fantasy football, you noticed that this guy literally could have won you a week. I think he had like 200 some yards. He had some touchdowns as well. I mean, he literally ripped it up last week. And they find. David Nunku, the talented tight end, uh, he's one of the better tight ends in the league. Uh, he's actually coming off an injury as well. If you're looking back a couple weeks, um, he actually had um, some dramatic burns on his face, um, had an accident there. I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, here's a guy that was injured, actually played through it. And he's gotten even better as the season has gone along. And I think he's the one that's probably benefited the most from Amari Cooper's breakout here is Nungu. 
And I, I think that he's done terrific. Six receptions, 134 yards on eight targets. Um, you know, he didn't have a touchdown, but pretty much continued to stretch a tough Jets team. And the one thing that the Jets have been able to really hold their hat on is defense. And they were not able to keep the Browns um, off the scoreboard. So really impressive of what they were able to do. And the fact that Jerome Ford um, only 64 yards and Kareem Hunt only 31 yards. So, you know, they combined for what, 70, 80, 90, 95 yards. So they didn't get to the 100 mark. But the fact that they really didn't have a strong effort in the running game and Flacco threw for 309 and three touchdowns, excuse me, <clears throat> this really bodes well, I think, for the Cleveland Browns. And I think if you're a Cleveland faithful, this is a team that is for real. And once again, I think that this is a team that is destined to see the Ravens if they can get that far. Next up, the Detroit Lions versus the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'm also going to throw up some video footage here of the Ravens as well. So you guys might see that along with me talking here. But I'm going to say this about the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. I think that this game, um, I really think Detroit won this game in so many ways because for one, you know, if you're looking back in the first half, Dan Campbell, super aggressive. And I understand what he was doing because, yes, the Lions had won the division. But I think that this was a statement game for the Detroit Lions. I thought in my predicaments that the Detroit Lions would give it to the Dallas Cowboys. Because, as we know, the Dallas Cowboys do not show up in games that they're supposed to show up in in prime time. I thought that this is a tone setter for Dan Campbell. This is certainly what he wanted to do, but I think it absolutely cost him the fact that he didn't go for the field goal early in the first half when they had made it down to a fourth and goal. He took the risk and Dallas was able to stop him there. And then obviously you have the controversy uh, of the call that went against the Detroit Lions in the last play of the game or the last two plays of the game. So if you did not see it, essentially Detroit went down they got the touchdown they needed instead of kicking the field goal to make it a 2020 game and go into extra uh, an extra period of overtime. They elected to go ahead and go for a two point conversion in which they actually got it. It was a Jared Goff, pretty much a two point conversion to a tackle, um, but he was root ineligible. The Detroit Lions went ahead, went for it again versus kicking the field goal. There was a penalty on that next play where Michael Parsons actually jumped off sides. So then Detroit got one more time to really think about it. So they, they had another opportunity to kick the field goal, which would have tied it. Instead, Dan Campbell went for it again on a third attempt and they were unable to come up with the two point conversion. Thus the Dallas Cowboys hang on to win 20 to 19. And the biggest controversy about it is that, when you look at the replay of it, okay, you're going to see that the actual tackle that was ruled ineligible in this um, play actually goes up to the referee, and he actually is saying, it looks like he's telling the referee that he is going to be eligible for the play, and you see the ref kind of walk off, and so one of the things that I think is interesting about this is that that officiating crew has actually been downgraded and you will not see them in the postseason. So I think where there is smoke, there is fire. I think that this was probably a missed call. Um, I think that at the end of the day, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fans, 
what are you going to say? Boo-hoo. Uh, how about those Cowboys is probably what they're saying. The Detroit Lions, obviously, you know, they're looking at the spilled milk here. I think that they did what they were supposed to do was come out here and be aggressive. It just didn't work out for them. Unfortunately, the call did not go their way when it looks like it should have went their way. But this was a terrific football game. This is what the NFL needs to continue to give us when it comes down to, uh, you know, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve games, things like that. These are the type of Saturday games that you want to see. Um, you know, unfortunately, nobody is going to to log in to see, you know, something like the Bears in Atlanta play on Saturday. You know, this is kind of my argument last weekend. Next up, you had the New England Patriots versus the Buffalo Bills, uh, 27-21. And look out, nobody circles the wagon quite like the Buffalo Bills. That's what Chris Berman would say on ESPN. They're now 10-6, and six, taking care of New England, a feisty New England team, I should say. Buffalo pulling this off and winning this, and quiet as is kept, Buffalo now has a showdown with the Miami Dolphins, and they could actually seal the second seed in the AFC after all that they have been through and really the down uh, play that, that I think Buffalo has played with this year in the sense of urgency, they have a chance to be the second best team in the AFC. I, I don't know if a lot of people really thought that that was going to happen to them, especially with the year that they had. Um, really impressed with the fact that Josh Allen and company were able to get it done. And Stefan Diggs was not the main guy out there today. Actually, Dalton Kincaid, uh, the rookie tight end, four receptions, 87 yards in this one. Um, I think he was really the big guy out there for them offensively. Josh Allen did have 44 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Really anemic as far as throwing the football. On the other side of the football, you look at New England. New England needs a complete rebuild. Uh, if you played Ezekiel Elliott in fantasy football like I did, he did get into the end zone. But Blake, or excuse me, Bailey Zappi is probably not going to be the answer for you if you are looking to get a quarterback in New England. Uh, I think that that is for sure. But again, you got to take your credit uh, out to the Buffalo Bills for actually going ahead, taking care of business, staying engaged in this one. They now have a chance to play Miami for the second seed in the AFC. Next up, you have the Chicago Bears and you have the Atlanta Falcons. Um, well, the one thing that comes out of this game is, yes, the Chicago Bears pretty much ended the Atlanta Falcons' hopes of actually getting into the playoffs or securing a division. But more importantly, what the Chicago Bears did, um, and then by virtue of, I believe, a Carolina loss, they have ensured that they are going to get back-to-back they're going to get back-to-back first-round picks here. So now you're looking at a team that is going to get back-to-round uh, or back-to-back picks here. And so, you know, it, it's interesting to me because looking at this thing, I'm like, okay, Justin Fields, I think, is good enough, in my opinion, to be a guy that is a franchise guy. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that really feel that as Chicago Bears fans. Now, there's on the other side of this thing, there's a lot of people that feel like a guy like Caleb Williams is a generational talent. And I've had a chance to look at Caleb Williams. I've had a chance to look at USC. Um, I mean, he is good, but I think that if the Chicago Bears go with him at number one, 
I certainly, for one, I would take Justin Fields in a heartbeat. I, I think he's a franchise quarterback. And this is coming from a fan of the Washington Commanders here. And I'm like, they need a quarterback. And Justin Fields is a guy that I feel like he could be a quarterback in this league. I feel like if you put pieces around him, you can win with him. Now, with Caleb Williams, I think if you get him, if you're the Chicago Bears next season, and this is hypothetical, I think you're going to be looking at, uh, if not the same situation, a worser situation here. So the one thing that I would be worried about if you're a Chicago Bear fan and you're rooting for the fact that you have the number one pick in the draft is that, look, the grass is not always greener on the other side. That's what I would say there. Next up, you have the Indianapolis Colts and you have the Las Vegas Raiders here. Uh, Indianapolis 9-7, and seven, uh, placing themselves right in the thick of things for the playoffs here. Uh, essentially, you know, they've really, they're controlling their own destiny here. They're second in the AFC. They're looking to go ahead and jump into this thing. They're right there as the last team into the wild card i believe this sets into a playoff situation between them and the houston texans next week um but listen i, I mean they come back they take care of business they dropped the ball against atlanta last week so you got to give them credit coming into this one i think garner Minshew had these guys focused and look garner Minshew is another guy that I'm not saying that the Colts are going to, you know, they're they're going to go out here and get some draft capital or anything like that, but in all intents and purposes, it looks like Anthony Richardson is their guy, but Gardner Minshew has been playing some good football here. 15 of 23 today, a touchdown, 111 is the quarterback rating. You see it when he's paired with a guy like Jonathan Taylor who is doing well on the ground today, 21 uh for 96, 21 attempts, 96 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you see what happens when he gets paired with playmakers. And so I think that here's another guy that I'm saying, I'm going to put this out there on alert. This is another guy that I feel like some NFL teams could use, could win with right now. Um, Gardner Minshew looking good, keeping the Colts afloat here. Next up, one of the better games of the day, the New York Giants and the Los Angeles Rams here. Uh, I thought that this was a terrific football game. I thought that, um, you know, when you looked at this game, the Rams had the Giants right where they wanted to have them throughout the game. Um, and I think that it's it's funny to me because the Giants, they're good enough to be a good team in this league. And I just wonder, okay, like, is it just a matter of bad luck for them? Because, okay, the situation with Daniel Jones is unfortunate. He got hurt with the non-contact injury. Um Saquon Barkley got off to a slow start defensively I think they've been okay but they've been in some games they just haven't been able to secure it and they had a chance really to win this game because they actually had a, a two-point conversion that Tyrod Taylor scrambling uh it was a beautiful route by Saquon Barkley and he just he underthrew him and he threw it behind him and he missed him. And I mean, I'm pretty sure Saquon Barkley would have probably walked into the end zone and they would have taken the two point lead. But, you know, the fact that they fought all the way back here, the Giants were really struggling, pretty much dead in the water. At one point, they were down 20 to 10. And to come all the way back into this one and give themselves a chance, I think Tyrod Taylor's played admirable. I think it's another guy that certainly deserves an opportunity to play quarterback in this league. Uh, but kudos to Matthew Stafford and the Rams getting it done. They're still alive as well. 
um, taking care of business here. They are now nine and seven. They're second in the AFC West. And I believe as far as the playoffs are concerned, they actually are the seventh seed sitting here, depending on what Seattle is going to do. Philly actually lost today. We'll talk about that. But they're nine and seven. Quiet as is kept, man. They have played very well. I think one of the big things for Matthew Stafford is the fact that Karen Williams has played outstanding. He had three touchdowns today. I think that this is probably the best running game aside from when Todd Gurley was there um, for Coach McVay. And it has really opened up the passing game. And this kid, Demarcus Robinson, He's been special. Uh, six receptions, 92 yards today. Didn't get into the end zone. But I think that since Robert Woods has left, this guy's been probably the best third receiver slash slot receiver that I think uh, Los Angeles really has had. And I think it's really turning into a special year for the Rams because, you know, there's sometimes where teams just get lucky, where you just find guys that it's like, okay, nobody really thought that these guys were going to be that good. Um, and then you get some some guys that turn out to be some pretty good guys. And I think that that's what happened to the Rams. I think when people look back at the draft class, a lot of people are not probably going to be saying, hey, uh, the Rams had a really good draft. I, I think that at the end of the day, people are going to look at this and go, yeah, I, I thought they were mediocre, but now when you see what they've done going into the season, people are probably going to look back and say, hey, this is this is maybe one of the best uh, drafts that perhaps any team had, and that's what the Rams, and they've had a ton of playmakers here, and I think this is something that is going to extend Matthew Stafford's career, in my opinion. Next up, uh, the upset of the day has to be the Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray first half throws a 99-yard interception in this one. And I'm saying, okay, yeah, th this is this is going to be Philadelphia's day. Uh, Hertz has already got two touchdowns. Uh, you have Julio Jones scoring, and I'm just thinking, okay, you know, this is this is a get-right game for Philadelphia. Wrong. Philadelphia could not stop anything to do with James Conner out there. James Conner ran all over Philadelphia. And it, it's really strange to me because going into this year, I think a lot of people would say that the one thing that Philadelphia had for them is they have a great defense. I mean, they added terrific pieces in the draft. They went out and got a, a pivotal piece on the defensive line from San Francisco as well. And it just really has not worked out like that. I mean, it, there has been gaping holes, not only on the ground with Philadelphia, but there has been gaping holes in the secondary as well. Like any time that they've needed to get critical stops in the secondary, Bradbury and these guys like that have not been able to get stops. And this right here goes into another one of my uh, spills. And that's the whole deal with Matt Patricia. Like, why do we continue to recycle coaches? Like, here's a guy, he's now the defensive coordinator there, if, if I'm not mistaken. And we continue to get guys that they really couldn't win outside of the program that they were initially in. Why are we giving them the keys to the castle? And I think that that's one of the things that Philadelphia has really got to ask themselves is because since he's taken over as defensive coordinator, these guys have been getting torched. 
and I mean even torch even more than what they were, um, you know, a couple games prior to him taking over. So really, I think that that's a real big question that I think Philadelphia has got to answer. Um, I think Jalen Hurts was fair today. You know, 18 of 23, 167 yards. He only had 25 yards on the ground. Clearly, I think that he's uh, had an issue with the knee. Uh, he did have the INT. He did have 118 rating. He's, he's been a steady hand for them. Uh, and you saw that the 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 the, the pass that was caught with Julio Jones was on a tip. So, you know, I'm not sure what it is with Philadelphia. I don't know if it's a hangover here going into the, to the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if it, you know, it, it, it's just incredible because they started off so well and they've gotten so flat over the last couple weeks. It's just, it's interesting. And Kyler Murray, 232, three touchdowns coming back in this one. Connor, I mentioned it 128 on 26 carries here, but, a team that has only won four games coming into Philadelphia had absolutely no business in winning this game. And so now Philly's in a situation where if you look at the playoff situation, they now could lose the division. They're looking at a wild card berth. They're 11 and five. I mean, they have clinched the playoff spot, but they have slipped out of the second seed uh, They're now currently sitting at the, I believe, the fifth seed. And so this is going to be critical for them. They have to win next week, and they would need to get Dallas in order to get the division and seal the second seed. Uh, and with their loss today, actually, San Francisco locks up the first seed. So that's going to be even tougher for Philly to get back to where they came from there. Next up. You have the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, 13 points put up by Tampa Bay. It was 23 to nothing for the longest here. Very disappointed with Tampa Bay. I'm a guy that actually had jumped on the, the Baker Bayfield uh, bandwagon here. Two INTs today. I, I mean, they were just flat. Really didn't get anything from Rashad White, but that's pretty much been consistent throughout the year. Um, but I, I was really um, impressed with the Saints taking away Mike Evans. He only had 70 yards today. Chris Godwin did have a touchdown and 81 yards. But more importantly, they were limited to three receptions. And I just thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be able to toss the ball all over the yard today. Uh, 23 points for the Saints offense is like it's New Year's coming early for them. Uh, they just have really struggled scoring points. Um, they had over 100 yards running the football. And it, it's really shocking because the holdover from the Super Bowl team for Tampa Bay mainly comes from defense. And the fact that they gave up so much to Derek Carr and the Saints here, very interesting. Uh, the Saints keep themselves alive. They're 8-8 eight and eight in this one going to come down to the last week in for the division, really. And I'm looking at this thing right now. When you look at the Saints, they're the last team in. Um, and depending on what happens to Seattle here, but they're very much alive. I mean, Tampa Bay has got to win or else. Uh, so they could still win this division and Tampa Bay could be going home. So very interesting to see what is going to happen here towards the end uh, of next week. Next up, you have the San Francisco 49ers just routing the Commanders 27 to 10. 
a get right game for the San Francisco 49ers in this. Um, Brock Purdy, I think he is ultimately the game manager. He's not going to be the MVP, but you know, they do take care of business. They win against the teams that they should win against. The one thing that scares me with San Francisco is that lately they haven't been beating the teams that they should be. And that's a little worrisome going into the playoffs. Next up, the Jaguars take care of Carolina 26 to zero. Not much to talk about in this one. Complete blowout. Um, Carolina gives up the number one pick in this one uh, with their loss. And then probably the shocker of the day, and that's going to be uh, the Baltimore Ravens beating the Miami Dolphins 56 to 19. And I knew Baltimore was good. Okay. I, I knew last week after they had took care of business against San Francisco, I was like, okay. Um, and I, I thought, okay, well, their defense is turning the football over. Um, so that's 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 something. And it doesn't matter who they're playing. So I was like, okay, defensively, I think that they're going to make some plays today. But if you were going to tell me that Miami was only going to put up 19 points and then that Lamar Jackson was going to have a complete just sealing the MVP vote today with five touchdowns, I just wouldn't believe it. And that's exactly what Lamar Jackson did today. I think he was special. Um, in the air today. And not only was he special in the air, I thought when you looked at that football game, his elusiveness was really on display as well. I love the fact that Lamar didn't really necessarily go out there and gash the Ravens as far as running, or excuse me, as far as uh, the Dolphins, as far as running the football. The one thing that he was able to do was extend plays. And because he was able to really be elusive and extend plays, that allowed him to go for 321 plus in the five touchdowns. And this is probably the, the guy that I want to go ahead and applaud for myself because it for once, it's good to see a guy get the bag like Lamar Jackson did and bet on himself and come out here and play football this way. Love what he's been able to do. He has shown that he has deserved the bag. And he also shows the Ravens here, if they have any doubts in the future, that Lamar Jackson is their guy. And, you know, the offense has been built around him. The receivers are built around him. And now, even though Zay Flowers only had three receptions and he only had 106 yards, he didn't have the big touchdown here, you're starting to see that Zay Flowers perhaps could be one of the best uh, receivers that they've had since Steve Smith Jr. and our senior. And I think that this is a guy that for sure you see why he was raved about coming out of Boston College. And you see why now um, Lamar Jackson wanted to play with this guy. And the, the great or the funny thing about this is that Zay Flowers actually had a calf injury. And so for him to play this well with a calf injury um, bodes well for them. Obviously, they've got the first seed locked up. They could probably go ahead and rest some guys here and get him healthy. How about Isaiah Likely, a guy that I had on my fantasy football radar last year, a guy that many people picked up for this year, had a huge touchdown, one-handed catch there. That was really special for him. And the rich could be getting richer as there's a real sense that they could be getting Mark Andrews back. So, Lamar Jackson and company looking really good. The one team that can knock them off, I think, is going to be the Cleveland Browns. I think that because of their physicality, because they know Baltimore, 
that would be the one team that's the kryptonite for Baltimore. On the other side of the football, the one thing that that really killed it for Miami was turnovers. Uh, Tua, the one thing that I've said about Tua is injuries, turnovers. That's what he had today. He had two turnovers. Um, one was a pretty bad one at the end of the half, which kind of cost uh, Miami big because I think they went down Baltimore and actually scored. I believe Isaiah likely scored on that. Um, they did have a running game. Uh, Devon Aiken had a pretty good one, 107 yards and 14 uh, on 14 attempts here. Tyreek Hill, they kept him in check. Six receptions, 76 yards, 12 targets. And this is probably going to be a blueprint, I think, for teams moving forward against Miami. Look at the time that they lost in, against Buffalo. Buffalo was able to go ahead, line up four, get pressure, and it made Tua extremely uncomfortable, threw off the timing down the field to Tariq Hill. I know they didn't have Jalen Waddle today. Uh, yes, that could be a difference maker, but this is two games in a row that I've seen here on tape and in person that when you physically punch Miami in the mouth, I'm not sure that they're able to respond to that level of physicality, which really scares me moving forward with Miami because I think as the playoff game slows down, as you get into environments where you have to play in some tough weather environments, you're going to have to have a level of physicality. And I'm not sure that Miami has that. And so that is one thing that Miami really would need to address. This was a bad loss today and a huge win for Baltimore. They have now beat San Francisco very badly and they have beat Miami very badly as well. Like they are looking like a team to be reckoned with. And to be honest with you, if Baltimore can get out of the AFC I don't know if there's a team in the NFC East that wants to see Baltimore. Next up, or the NFC, the next up the team to look at is the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. This is the last game of the day. Houston Texans winning 26-3. to I think the real key takeaway in this one is that you have C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is back. C.J. Stroud is the rookie of the year. C.J. Stroud is a quarterback that, a lot of teams would love to have. And I think if Carolina could do it over again, they would take C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud, I'm going to give him credit where credit is due. He is the most, I think, in my opinion, the most successful Ohio State quarterback to come out in quite some time. And that's including Justin Fields and how special he's been at times. You know, C.J. Stroud has shown that without him in the lineup, the Texans are a different team. Devin Singletary, it opened it up for him on the ground. He had 80 yards today. Nico Collins, 80 yards in the air. Uh, Robert Woods, you know what he can do. He's played with the Rams, been in the Super Bowl before. But I love the fact that C.J. Stroud is able to spread the football around. And I've said this uh, a couple weeks back, dating back to week three or four of the show. The one thing that I love about Coach DeMarco Ryan is that he has handled this situation very well. He didn't just name C.J. Stroud the starter to start off, right? He didn't just give him the reins or the keys to the castle. He actually had C.J. Stroud go out there and earn it. And not only did C.J. Stroud go out there and earn it, 
He's not just dinking the football down the field. This is a guy that is taking chances out there. And I think he's learned from the concussion that he's taken as well, uh, that he's he's learning how to get down to avoid the big hits as well. I think that you're seeing something special here. This is obviously the best that uh, Houston has been in quite some time there. So kudos to CJ Stroud. Kudos to Coach Ryan, who I think should be the coach of the year as well. And on the other side of this thing, with the Titans, they are headed to a full rebuild. Uh, Ryan Tannehill played today, 16 of 20. Will Levis replaced two of six. Uh, I still think that Will Levis is still their guy. I think that they're probably still going to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think that there's a lot to be done here. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins seven for 72, but I think that they're going to have to go out there. They're going to have to get more wide receivers here. Um, I think that Traylon Burks has not been the answer for AJ Brown. And I just feel like there's so many things that have to happen for the Titans. And I think they're going to have to probably go ahead and, and let Derrick Henry go. You know, the issue with this is that now that Derrick Henry's older, now that Derrick Henry's got another year of mileage on the body, I'm not sure you're going to get too many draft picks back for that. Um, or, you know, a player right now that could be a splash player. So unfortunately, this looks like this is going to be a long rebuild, I think, for uh, the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, I think that this is something that they're going to have to address most certainly more so in the free agency and naturally in the draft. So with that being said, guys, uh, that is today's show for the most part. Just wanted to talk to you guys about week 17 of the NFL. And before we actually close, guys, I am actually going to throw up the playoff pitchers here so we can go over that before we actually get out of here. Um, you know, I just think that this has been quite the NFL season. Um, kudos to the NFL for giving us some games here that we can look at here this last week, uh, especially that Saturday game, I think was, was Bravo for sure. So let me throw this up guys, before we get out of here, let's take a look at this one last thing. And that is going to be the playoff picture over here to your right. If you're looking at it guys. So this is what it looks like. You have Baltimore as your first seed. You have Miami, which I told you about, could actually lose this to Buffalo. I believe they have to play next week. Kansas City right now, if we look at the game board here, um, they're actually winning 19-17, to 13-07 left here in the fourth quarter. Um, so they still have a chance to go ahead and put another win up here and actually seal the division. Jacksonville needed that win today. They're 9-7. and seven. Cleveland, they've got a playoff spot, 11-5. and five. You got Buffalo, I just told you about, could get the second seed. Uh, Indianapolis here and Houston, they're going to be playing for the playoffs here next week. Over here in the NFC, you have San Francisco sealed the number one seed. Dallas, they still could either seal the second seed or they may fall down here where Philadelphia is at. So they actually would be duking it out for the end uh, or for the division title, actually. Detroit, they're in there. Uh, they've already sealed their division. They're 11 and 5. Tampa Bay, they pretty much can control their own destiny. They need to get a win in your end situation. Uh, New Orleans can still get in there, depending on what's going to happen to Seattle and the Rams here sitting behind Philadelphia here. So, with that being said, guys, that is today's show. And so, I want to thank the sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show. I want to thank the fans out there for listening to the show. 
And then I just want to go ahead and let you guys know that you can actually find us um, on YouTube under Real Talk Sports with Rico. You can also find us on Anchor or Spotify under Real Talk Sports with Rico as well. And so for myself, this is Rico. I'll see you guys on the next show. I'll be talking a little NBA action with you guys. Wanted to recap some of the Christmas Day games. All right, guys, take care. Peace.